This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus here as... We're gearing up for Big Ten Media Days this weekend. We will head out to Chicago as uh, the entire conference will be out in Chicago on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Nebraska will take part in Big Ten Media Days uh, on Monday. They will um, be one of the first teams up. Uh, Action goes from noon to five Monday. Then on Tuesday, uh, it runs all day with the uh, Big Ten's kickoff luncheon uh, going through. And the Big Ten Media Days is the, the final one of the Power Five conferences. SEC likes to start it off first. Uh, we've had the Pac-12, we've had the ACC, we've had the Big 12, and uh, to kind of book in things will be the Big Ten Media Days here in Chicago. And Robin, it's it's always a unique event. Um, you know, we've, we've been to a lot of these over, over our career, whether it was Big 12 and now Big 10. And um, I, I like how Big Ten does it, a little bit quicker format. You know, you just kind of move in and out of there. Um, you know, but they, they really focus on this lunch. I mean, that, that, that's the one thing about Big Ten Media Days. This kickoff luncheon that they do is is really kind of the focus of the event as all three student athletes from every team and, and the coaches uh, have this big part in the lunch that lasts two and a half hours on Tuesday. Yeah, it's, you know, just kind of a nice uh, official kickoff to the season. Uh, you know, a lot of times with these media days, you, you know what you're going to get going into it. Everybody's excited about their team and, um, you know. They worked no, hard over the summer. Yeah, yeah, everybody's, you know, had a whole bunch of barbecues over the summer and feeling good and uh you know no team has ever been closer than, than this particular team for whoever they bought in exactly so you know you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt but the good thing is is that just the, the side interviews i think is, is when you really start to get the good juicy stuff where, where you get the the kind of controversial comments last year uh you know the the, the flip phone comments by cory clement uh, comparing nebraska to a flip phone in wisconsin to an iphone that really stirred things up and so there are some things that can come out of it that can really spice up the season but for the most part it just kind of is what it is and it's just kind of like i said that that uh, unofficial kickoff uh, to the upcoming season well it'll be interesting this year um you know jim harbaugh now in year two he's, he's lived up to the hype urban meyer in ohio state you know the, the, this league is at a place where it hasn't been um in in several years and um you're gonna add some new coaches this year as well lovey smith at illinois former chicago bears coach DJ Durkin and Chris Ash at Rutgers in Maryland, and Tracy Clays takes over at Minnesota. Uh, but the big one, I think, will be Lovey Smith coming back into Chicago as the head coach of Illinois. Uh, Nate, as, as Lovey Smith, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, what have you noticed? I mean, have you noticed any impact in, in the short while he's had this job? I wouldn't say that he's made like an immediate impact on recruiting. And that's probably going to be something that's felt more as the season gets underway, usually with new head coaches I think a lot of players take a wait and see approach um, you know they want to see how the new systems look like during the fall and and how they could potentially fit into that but uh, um, I do think that he's he is going to be a good recruiter the interesting thing is is his assist you know his staff a lot of those guys um, you know aren't traditional recruiters they didn't come in with uh, with you know big re- recruiting resumes so to speak so um, and it'll be interesting to see how things unfold there but I do think that they will do well on the recruiting trail all three of those new teams Maryland Rutgers and in uh, Illinois that have brand new head coaches brand new staffs now Minnesota's the same staff in a, in a lot of areas they, they did fire a couple guys but 
I, I don't expect much from those those three teams in their first year with new coaches. I just think Illinois making that late change, uh, how it went down, you know, changing a coach out. Was it in March? I mean, yeah, it was real late. I mean, literally right before signing after signing day, right, Nate? Yeah, it was it was after signing day and right before spring football. So I mean, it was very late. I, I just don't see. The attention to detail, the organization there in year one, when you go through something like that that quick, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think it's going to be a long year for Illinois, and hopefully the return will be better. And the same to me goes for Rutgers and, and Maryland. Uh, I think Rutgers was a mess last year in a lot of areas, and and you know going with the new first time head coach, I think those guys are going to really have their hands full uh, in the Big Ten East. Yeah, and with you know Chris Ash being a former Ohio State guy, I mean there's going to be a lot of draw there. You know, coming with a coach of that pedigree taking over there, so um, yeah, a lot of things to to definitely watch. But you know, obviously, I think the guy that's going to steal the show once again is going to be Jim Harbaugh. I mean, the guy has not slowed down one bit in his wacky off the field antics, and uh, now the question is going to be, you know, are all these little wild stunts that he's pulling going to actually translate into improved team? Uh, I mean, this is a, this is a team that um, you know was certainly better in a lot of ways last year but um, you know now is the time for for you know the Harbaugh era to really start to kick in and Michigan to be a real contender in the Big Ten East so that's something I'm sure he's going to be asked plenty about that uh, you know are, are all the is all the circus sideshow stuff going to actually translate into success on the field and they were a 10 and 3 team last year but let's be honest they, they were closer to you know, more an eight-win team. Right. They got a lot of breaks. Got a lot of breaks. They should, the Minnesota game, they could have easily have lost. The, obviously, the Michigan State game, um, you know, they, they, were, they lost that game in, in heartbreaking fashion. They did not get a break there. They did not get a break there. <laughs> but um, they, they had a lot of things go their way. And, and that's Harbaugh's coaching, though, too. I mean, you have to give them credit. I still think the fact they're breaking in a new quarterback, I mean, we are really giving Jim Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt here that he can kind of take another guy that's – Kind of a stiff. I mean, not really a big-time quarterback and make him a great one. Last year he did it with Jake Rudock. Can he do it two years in a row? I don't know. I mean, and that's going to be the difference of them being kind of 8-4 and four to 10-2 and two in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, you know that's kind of like you said that's that's Harbaugh style. I mean, extremely tough defense, mistake-free offense and make plays on special teams and I think that's the formula. I mean, you could say that's the formula to win in the Big 10. So as long as they can get some, you know, quality play out of their quarterback, I think they'll probably once again at least be in that, you know, 9 to 10 win conversation. You're listening here to the Husker Online show Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we're getting you geared up for Big 10 Media Days. Um, we will arrive in Chicago Sunday. Things kick off Monday and Tuesday and it will be the final of the uh, Power Five Conference media days that will take place. And, you know, there's a lot of television coverage as well. Big Ten Network, I believe ESPNU might even simulcast it as well. But everything will be on Big Ten Network. So if you're a Husker fan, um, you know, it's really easy to watch it live, watch the replays, um, and, and pick up on on, uh, on the coverage of these things. Well, let's talk about the West, Robin and Nate. I mean, when you look at the West, um, you know, a couple things are going to change it to me. Nine-game conference schedules. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, Iowa adds Michigan and Penn State this year on their schedule. Uh, Wisconsin plays Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Um, and I'm trying to think one other team. They, I mean, their, their draw from the East is, is crazy. Those are the three East games. Um, so I think the draw of the East to the West powers is going to really make things interesting. Everyone's picking Iowa, rightfully so. Uh, but I still think the West is wide open at this point. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the the, the fact that it was already, you know, a pretty um, even – 
our uh, you know competition for for in the West. You add in that ninth game, that's really going to shake things up because you're not going to get schedules like Iowa had last year, where basically you don't play anybody or Wisconsin. Yeah, and so that I think that that's you know Nebraska seems to always get the the bad end of that draw, uh, and now things are going to get uh, evened out a little bit more. But yeah, I agree that just kind of by default, Iowa's probably the favorite because you know they have C.J. Beathard coming back and uh, return a lot of key pieces to that team that you know darn near won the Big Ten championship was a drive away from winning a Big Ten title so uh, but I don't think that they're that far ahead by any means uh, over Nebraska over Wisconsin and you know I think Minnesota is probably going to be a little bit better just because while they have a new coaching staff there's a lot of continuity there as well this is what I think hurts Nebraska a little bit with the scheduling is it's Iowa and Wisconsin it's one year they're both home the next year they're both road you'd like to be kind of a split on that one home one road and this is the year when Nebraska goes on the road Mm -hmm. and they go to Northwestern and they go to Ohio State and they go to Indiana and you know we don't know much about Indiana Nebraska's never played there as a Big Ten team yet never played the Hoosiers period as a Big Ten team so uh, that's kind of one of those mystery meat games that you don't really know um, what's going to happen, how Nebraska is going to play against a team like Indiana and their high-powered offense with Kevin Wilson. Uh, to me, the sleeper team, though, in the West is Northwestern. Um, they returned basically everybody off their team a year ago that won 10 regular season games, that beat Nebraska, that beat Wisconsin. They were 10-2. and two. They beat Stanford. Stanford. Um, now, they weren't pretty wins, uh, but I do think Northwestern, uh, with Justin Jackson coming back, Hopefully Thorson, their quarterback, improves. He wasn't great last year, as we know, but he won games. Uh, But that's a team that I think is the sleeper right now, not only in the Big Ten, but the West. In my opinion, what Northwestern did last year is kind of the ceiling of what they're going to do. I don't know if they can get much better just because – you know, they have the restrictions with the academics there. So the caliber of athlete is only going to get so good. And I think right now, like you mentioned, it's probably as good as they're going to get. So that's pretty darn good, though. I mean, you get a 10-win season. I mean, especially with the parity in the, in the West Division, uh, you get another 10 wins, you're probably going to at least be in the conversation to, to win a division title and play for a Big Ten championship. So, yeah, I think that there's certainly a team to watch. But uh, given that extra conference game, I mean, obviously their their schedule gets a little bit tougher, um, and then you know with the the rest of the division improving uh, around them, you know I think Nebraska's gonna be better, Wisconsin's gonna be better, and of course Iowa's gonna be Iowa. Uh, that's gonna be a tough slate for Northwestern to try and repeat what they did a year ago. The seven and two win the West, or could we see a six and three kind of tiebreaker where three teams are at six and three? I mean, for sure eight and one, you're you're winning it. Um, I, I, I even think seven and two, you're going to win it more years than not now in this mm-hmm. nine game scheduling format. Yeah, I think that the days of the undefeated powers, you know, rolling through the conference are done, you know, especially with the extra conference game. But uh, again, with with how packed things are in that West, you know, I think a tiebreaker, I would not be surprised one bit if tiebreakers come into play to determine the West Division championship when all is said and done. And that, that, that's why winning those head to heads um, at Wisconsin, at Iowa will be will be big for Nebraska when you start to look ahead at some of those things. All right. We'll have more media days talk here. We're going to talk more about Nebraska and, and kind of the expectations going into Big Ten media days. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we're getting you ready for Big Ten media days to kick off in Chicago this weekend and representing the Huskers in Chicago 
uh, at the Hyatt Place in uh, the McCormick Center will be quarterback Tommy Armstrong and wide receiver Jordan Westerkamp. Both players making their second Big Ten Media Days appearances. I believe the only other guy I can remember that's gone to two was Rex Burkhead. Um, he went to two in, in the uh, Big Ten days as well. And then making his first appearance, um, kind of the wild card name thrown out, linebacker Josh Banderas. And I think, Robin, let's start with that. I think it shows when we talk about this defense, the guy that Mike Riley really is trying to push out there to, to have a big senior season. Yeah, no surprises at all with Armstrong and Westerkamp making a return trip, but but Josh Banderas uh, making you know being the third guy uh, to to tag along with Nebraska, I think really says a lot about what this coaching staff expects from him. You know, not only just for the the, the season he's going to have as a player, but the leadership role they want him to take on. It seems like you know for the last you know year or so uh, they've been trying to push Josh to become that vocal you know quarterback of the defense, that middle linebacker, and um, you know while he's taking steps towards that. You you know, obviously injuries have kind of kept him from, uh, you know, his production on the field. But I think this is a year where they're really trying to, like, you know, put the spotlight on him as, you know, that kind of that captain of the defense. And I think that really says a lot about the expectations, uh, you know, within the program that they have for Josh. You know, being a senior, being that, you know, potential starting middle linebacker, uh, there's a lot that goes along with it. And this is really the first step to that. Well, and he kind of fits that perfect mold, too. He's the middle linebacker. He's the hometown kid, the son of a, you know, of a former Husker. I mean, it's just a, it's kind of a great story. And, and if if he can come along and be the captain of that defense, I, I think that would be uh, be an ideal situation for this entire team. And, and no doubt that Mike Riley would like to see that happen. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we're talking Big Ten media days. And, you know, quarterback Tommy Armstrong, I mean, I think it's no secret – Uh, We're going to get into our top 40 player list here, but he's our number one guy for the season. And I think he is the guy that makes this season a seven and five year to a 10 and two year. I mean, how he plays really dictates if this is another disappointing season or a game changing season that really kind of solidifies the Mike Riley era, kind of hands things off to the next round of players, whether that's Tanner Lee or Patrick O'Brien or Tristan Jebby as a quarterback in the future. Uh, but, you know, Tommy Armstrong being at media days, he's going to get a lot of tough questions. He led the nation last year in interceptions, I believe, for Power 5 quarterbacks. Did not have a good year by all accounts. And he's going to get drilled about it, Robin, uh, I think from everybody, uh, how he's going to improve that. Yeah, as he should. And like you said, that's really kind of the defining uh, question to this entire season is can Tommy finally, after three years, be the consistent quarterback that Nebraska fans have been hoping he'd be uh, for a long time. Uh, his decision-making will once again be be the key um, for Nebraska's offense. I mean, you can't have the Illinois game. You can't have the, you know, fade to Brandon Riley when you have a wide-open Seathan Carter against Iowa. You can't have... Oh, man, that, that was a terror. Uh, you can't have the, the YOLO bombs that he had against Rutgers that, you know, didn't, you know, uh, affect the outcome of the game but made things a little closer than they needed to be. I mean, those are the types of things that as a four-year starter, senior quarterback, you simply cannot do. And again, uh, that is going to really dictate what type of season this is for Nebraska because you look at the pieces around them. I mean, while they have a kind of reshuffled offensive line, I can't imagine much better skill position talent to work with, especially at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, so the table is set for Tommy to have a really, really big year. And now having over a full year uh, in the system, working with Danny Langsdorf and Mike Riley, uh, it's, it's really a great opportunity him for, for 
for him to really have that breakout year. But the question is, can Tommy stay out of his own way and not make those you know dumbfounded mistakes that have been plaguing him the last three seasons? Yeah, to me, that's the biggest thing is is what kind of step can Tommy Armstrong make in year two in the offense? And you know, I almost look at him as like a JUCO transfer. Um, you know, coming in. You know, first year in the system, kind of, you know, trying to feel his way through everything. And obviously now with a year to kind of look back at last season and, and really see where he went wrong, what what type of mistakes he made, um, you know, can he take that next step? It, you know, like uh, you look back at Zach Taylor in, in 2005, he had in the year one in Bill Callahan's system, he had 19 interceptions or 19 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. And then in year two, he increased the touchdowns to 26 and cut the interceptions down to eight. And, and a lot of those interceptions, like five of them came in the last two games. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, until the Oklahoma and Auburn games, he had not, I think he had only thrown three picks on the season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you could see that type of progression in year two in this offense uh, I think that that would definitely be huge for Nebraska's offense and, and bode well for their season. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett and Nate Klaus as we are getting you geared up for Big Ten media days and you know as I look at this offense I really believe today that it could be one of the best in the Big Ten and the X factor remains Tommy Armstrong. They have the running back depth. They have by far the best receiver tight end groups Nebraska's had in a long time. And I, I, I don't know why some people don't think it's the best in the Big Ten, uh, but you look at the numbers, what they return, it's the best in the Big Ten. I mean, Easily. I think by reputation, people are giving Michigan a nod over Nebraska or Penn State a nod. Uh, but I don't know how you can't look at Western Camp, Brandon Riley, and some of these guys they have right now, Alonzo Moore and DeMornay Pearsonell and um, Stanley Morgan Jr. and Seaton Carter, the running backs that they have returning. It is a darn good group of skill players that if Tommy Armstrong can just get him the ball, they're going to be a really good offense. That's what I'm saying. And, and Tommy doesn't need to do a whole lot. He doesn't need to go out there and throw the ball 50 times in a game to win. And that's that's the beauty of it. And that's why I think you're going to start to see this offense kind of shift uh, from what we saw last year because I think they actually have an idea of how to utilize all these pieces that they have to work with. And I think a big thing that we haven't even talked about yet is incorporating Tommy more as a runner. I think that's got to be a huge key to this offense now. You're probably going to see a lot more zone read action than we saw a year ago. Uh, I remember this spring, they were talking about studying a whole lot of film of guys like Cam Newton and Teddy Bridgewater. And so that type of quarterback, I think, is the ideal picture of what this coaching staff wants Tommy Armstrong to be. You know, not necessarily an option, you know, Tommy Frazier type, you know, running quarterback, but a guy that can utilize one of his biggest skill sets, which is his athleticism and ability to run, uh, while also being able to incorporate maybe the best receiving core this program has ever had. You know, another thing that jumps out to me, guys, is just how much the narrative has changed for Nebraska, the way they lost that Iowa game, how it went down, if then they go to the bowl game, say, against UCLA and lose that game convincingly, think how much different this narrative is oh, yeah. today right now. <laughs> um, but that, it's amazing what that UCLA game has done to maybe change the narrative, to kind of feed the Kool-Aid a little bit more, spike the Kool-Aid a little bit more, get people excited. And, you know, I think about that all the time, Nate, just what the Michigan State game. Yeah, that was huge. But 
the the way that Iowa game was such a downer because Nebraska played well enough to win that game easily, mm-hmm. if not for the mistakes and in, in, in the little air the errors they made. Uh, but that bowl game, I think, just changed the narrative of everything. Absolutely. The pitchforks were out after the, the Iowa game, and then they go in and they play well in the bowl game and run the ball guy was ecstatic <laughs> after after the bowl game. And, and then the other thing here, too, that I think has really um, helped Nebraska and, and created a lot of optimism is how well they're recruiting. They're coming off of a, one of the worst seasons as they've had in a long time, and, and they're recruiting as well as they have in, in 10, 15 years or more. So – I think that is another reason why there's so much optimism heading into the season. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we uh, wrap it up here. And, and lastly, Robin, uh, what, where are we getting pizza at in Chicago as we – Ooh, well, I'm usually a Giordano's guy, um, but you know, we can probably mix it up this time you know just because there's so many options i don't want to i don't want to pigeonhole ourselves in just one place every time we may have to call our old food critic dan hoppin for his advice because he's usually good for putting in the research and doing the diligence to really scope out the scene so we might have to call him up well more to come here on the show and we will obviously have full coverage of big 10 media days from chicago starting on sunday Uh, but next we're going to shift over to husker basketball there's been a lot going on um you know with andrew white we've learned more and recruiting and other topics we're gonna get robin Washett's take on a number of things Nebraska basketball. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus says we're shifting over now to Nebraska basketball talk as Andrew White is kind of the gift that just keeps giving Robin. Um, gives his first interview of any kind since leaving Nebraska. Uh, to um, MLive.com, uh, what is that? The Detroit Free Press or right. uh, the the Michigan you know newspaper out there in Detroit, and um, kind of really teed off on Nebraska on the way his stuff was released out to the public as well, and uh, just not a good thing. And you know what what, what were your as we kind of closed the book at Andrew White because we're not going to spend too much time on this. What were your thoughts just on that whole interview? I think it just confirmed what. Uh, most of us already expected that this was probably a much uglier breakup than initially uh, some may have let on. Um, I think that uh, there was a lot more towards, or I guess, I guess animosity. You know, not just from you know Nebraska kind of leaving Nebraska in the dust. You know, with the worst possible timing of his departure and kind of leading them on for two months before doing it. Uh, I think he obviously harbored some ill will against Nebraska, and I think more so uh, with the way that he wasn't able to deliver his message in a way that uh, made his image look good. Uh, you know, I think this kind of shows that you know Andrew was the most upset in all those comments, you know, about not being able to you know release his statement and deliver the message the way he wanted to, and that it was uh, released nationally on Twitter by John Rothstein of CBS Sports. You know. Uh, then he starts accusing Nebraska of, you know, leaking that information. You know, that's that, ridiculous. Yeah, like, that's just freaking ridiculous. Imagine Tim Miles on the phone. Hey, John Rothstein, I got, I got some tit, hot tip for you. Our best player is leaving. You know, the week before the July recruiting period. Break it now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's two weeks ridiculous. before a season ticket uh, renewals go out. Yeah, and then <laughs> or is it going to be Sean Eichhorst, who I don't even think knows who John Rothstein is? So it's like. That was, you know, kind of kind of just shows what Nebraska was dealing with there. And, you know, the fact that the, he wasn't upset about, you know, burning a lot of bridges with his teammates who he spent the last two years with. He was upset because, you know, he looked bad 
in this situation. So uh, it's clear that, you know, Andrew White and Andrew White's camp are mostly concerned above all else with Andrew White Incorporated. And uh, whoever gets him is going to have to deal with that for a season and uh, good riddance as far as I'm concerned. The graduate transfer thing, I don't know if it's ever going to go away, but man, that has just totally changed the sport of college basketball. And I'm amazed a sport that's really not known for its great student athletes, how many of these guys are able to get oh, out yeah. of school and graduate? I mean, because <laughs> exactly. a lot of these guys aren't redshirting, are they? No. Well, yeah, I mean, some more than others. I, what's funny, though, is, you know, I get the graduate transfer thing because, whatever, you fulfilled your obligation to a university. You got your degree. If you want to go pursue a better situation basketball-wise elsewhere for one season, yeah, fine, whatever. That, that That's what it is. But it's funny because the, the interconference aspect of this is really kind of making things interesting. And the fact that three months ago, Tom Izzo himself was on his soapbox ranting against interconference transfers, saying it's bad for the game. It causes a lot of animosity within the conference and, you know, just, just makes for a really ugly situation. Now he's hosting Andrew White on an official visit trying to take it, Nebraska's best player. You know, the, the same Nebraska team that Tim Miles gave him a lift home on, you know, Husker 1 uh, after his first recruiting trip in Las Vegas. I mean, th- that it just kind of shows how big of a 180 someone can make when it comes to benefiting your team as opposed to hurting your team. So that that's probably something I think that needs to get addressed more than anything is if it if you're going to allow basically free agency in college basketball, at least restrict it to where, you know, a team's best player can't go to its direct competition uh, and really, you know, kind of uh, add salt in the wound to the whole situation. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we talk Nebraska basketball here and uh, moving on now from the Andrew White talk here. Um, some injury news you broke this week, a reporter this week, Isaiah Roby, um, Nebraska's incoming freshman recruit, um, will be down for how long? And, and give us an update on that. Well, the injury is a – it's not quite a fracture, but it was basically the uh, an injury he suffered back in high school to his pelvis um, that was kind of, a, I guess, maybe a, a hairline fracture or a reaction to an injury that eventually he just tried to ignore for the last however many months and was just playing through it. But it got to the point where the pain the last couple of weeks was just too much for him to deal with. And they got it looked at, finally went and got an MRI and x-rays and showed that, yeah, there was a, a, a form of fracture in his in his pelvis that's going to keep him out for the next six to eight weeks. And uh, certainly not a good situation, but I guess if there is a silver lining is the fact that they're dealing with it now. Um, he'll be back uh, more than likely ready to, to go when they start fall practices in November. Um, but, you know, the, the bad news is, you know, kind of similar to what Ed Morrow went through last year with his foot is you're missing valuable times, not only in just the, the workouts that they're holding right now, but, you know, your strength and conditioning. He's not going to be able to lift. And uh, I think most would tell you, even Isaiah himself, that, you know, he's got to get bigger. You know, he's got to add more muscle. And this is going to really set him back in that regard. But uh, I think he'll still be able to contribute. Um, and contribute in a big way as the season goes on this year uh, because they're going to need him. Uh, he's probably maybe the best of that uh, that freshman class, I mean, just from an overall talent standpoint. And then lastly, Robin, you um, reported another interesting nugget this week about Ty Webster. He returned back from his international swing, and it seems like he does one of these every year where yeah. he plays in some sort of international tournament, tournament and God bless Seamus McKnight, our media relations director at Nebraska. He updates us on every single game that Ty Webster plays, so <laughs> – we are well updated on how Ty did in his overseas ventures, but uh, what was the big news that came out of that? Well, like you said, it's nothing new. I mean, this is something he's done you know, several times now over the course of his career. Uh, he went back and played with the New Zealand national team at the 
FIBA Olympic Olympic qualifying tournament, um, and you know actually played pretty well. Uh, so that, that was really kind of not not the news, but the news was you know once again Ty was approached with several you know from what I'm told significant professional uh, contract offers uh, to play overseas, um, you know in the New Zealand Professional League down there, and it was enough money that you know there was a, a major concern for Nebraska's coaching staff. You know for one there were a lot of grumblings about you know if Andrew White doesn't come back will Ty come back because uh, that, that was kind of flowing around the rumor mill that uh, you know his decision was going to kind of rely a lot about what Andrew White was going to do and then when Andrew left and the fact that he's overseas you know away from home halfway across the world getting a whole bunch of money thrown his way uh, the, 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 there was some serious concern uh, with Nebraska staff that you know we, we could possibly lose our only other senior on our roster uh, to go play professionally internationally but uh, once again, I think that the, the, the loyalty Ty Webster has, you know, to this program and the fact that he still has not gotten his degree, uh, he's very close to doing so. That's a huge thing for Ty and his family, uh, to get that college degree. Uh, and I think they know that those professional contracts are going to be there, you know, no matter what happens. Uh, so I think that in the end, you know, he decided that it was worth coming back to Nebraska. And he's got a serious girlfriend in Nebraska. Right. I mean, hey, you laugh, but that, those saying, things play a factor. So, so yeah, there, there was a lot of drawback to Nebraska. And so that was able to kind of overcome uh, all the lure of, you know, playing professionally. So he will be back for his senior year. He got back to Lincoln uh, late Monday night. And so he, he will be a Husker, but disaster averted. But it was kind of interesting because that was something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people realized, you know, how close Nebraska how actually much, came I mean, to potentially losing its only two seniors on its roster. I mean, you're talking like a low six-figure type contract. I mean, hundreds of thousands. I mean, how much money you think you're really talking about in these uh, overseas deals? Yeah, I mean, I'd put it right around there. I mean, it, it was a good deal of money, especially for, you know, a kid that – um, you know, has gone through the grind of college basketball now for three years. And, uh, you know, maybe a lot of kids are probably ready to, to pursue other things at that point. But, you know, again, getting his degree, the fact that he does have some, some tie, tie down roots here with, with having the girlfriend here. And then again, the, the fact that, you know, he, he's, he's fairly loyal to this coaching staff and uh, wanted to finish things out you know, the right way. All right, well, that wraps it up here with our basketball talk here. Lots to follow, though, from Robin, uh, recruiting in full swing as well. Make sure you follow his work here with us on HuskerOnline.com. We're going to shift conversation now back over to football. Um, over the last week or so, we've come out with our top 40 players uh, in one uh, ranking order here. Uh, we're going to go through our final list of 40 here and kind of where things shook out with uh, who we think are Nebraska's most indispensable 40 heading into 2016. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we are just a few days away from Big Ten Media Days beginning and fall camp. Uh, we'll begin that first week of August. Uh, Husker Fan Photo Day will be that week as well. So uh, really... You know, next this next week is kind of your last week of nothing, and then uh, we will have full scale fall camp coverage. Uh, we are nearly forty days away, gentlemen, from that first Husker game against Fresno State in Memorial Stadium on September third. It's hard to even say right now. Summer always flies by, but um, we've done this the last couple of years. We've done our top forty indispensable Husker players. Um, you know, where we've ranked our players as a staff, one through 40. And I wanted to open it up this year to more voting. Um, so we included Mike Mattia. Uh, we included Brian Munson. 
Greg Peterson as well, our video producer, um, everybody that's kind of around our staff here. So we had six people vote this year just to kind of, you know, have more data, more numbers to, to kind of sift through. And, you know, Robin, you, you put together all the votes and all the data from everybody. Um, you know, what was some of your bigger takeaways as we kind of look at the top 40 players going into this year? Well, clearly the, the widest range of opinions came with DeMornay Pearsonell. Um, you know, he was a guy that um, you could really make an argument one way or the other of, of how you rank him. And uh, I think the biggest separation was uh, Brian Munson, or I'm sorry, Greg Peterson had him as his uh, third overall player, uh, whereas Mike Mattia had him, you know, at what 36 overall. So you're talking about over a 30 point, maybe 33 uh, vote difference, uh, you know, between one staff member to another. And uh, I think that really kind of sums it up for for what DeMornay's kind of outlook is for this coming up season. I mean, he could be if he's healthy and he can return to that type of player he was as a freshman. There's not a more electric player, you know, on the team, maybe even in the conference than, than you know, what DPE is. But that's a lot. To, that's a big if. I mean, that was a pretty significant injury. And, it happened in November. Yeah, and, and it, it, that's a quick turnaround for him to, to come back off a, such a significant surgery. Uh, and We don't really know where he is in his recovery. The coaching staff seems optimistic in his progress so far. But the reality is, you know, it's been a long time since he's, you know, played a, a live down of football and, you know, kind of. Uh, I personally am in a wait and see type situation with DeMornay as far yeah, as what type of player he'll be. You look at the time frame right now, and it's really only about seven or eight months since the injury. So, Nate, when you talk about an injury of that severity, that is not that much. I mean, that that's not you know not a full year, even obviously, um, because it happened really on Halloween weekend, not earlier in the year. And before that, he had another injury. Exactly. That's the the point I was going to bring up. Before that, he had the foot injury that he suffered in fall camp that held him out to what the the week after the Wisconsin game was it or, or was it the Wisconsin game so so really I mean he only played a handful of games last year and I he and got I, hurt in fall camp it was yeah. a fall camp injury yeah that's what I I mean having that injury in fall camp and and being out until that Wisconsin game or the week after Illinois the Illinois game I think it was his first one that kind of used him as a decoy but obviously he wasn't all the way no. back yet right and so I mean I think I think that's why there's such a disparity in the voting is because when you look at how Nebraska, you know, I guess got by without DeMornay personnel, there's depth at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, if he weren't able to go this year or, or decided to redshirt, uh, I think they would be okay. Obviously, they, you know, there's you can't replace a guy like DeMornay when he's perfectly healthy uh, as a freshman, especially in the special teams game. But, but there is depth at, at that wide receiver position uh, that Nebraska could get by without him. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A class. We're looking at our top 40 Huskers here going into the season. And let, let's go, I'm just going to go down our top five. Um, no shocker, consensus number one uh, was Tommy Armstrong, quarterback. All six people voted him number one. And um, that is kind of the guy that will make or break this year. We've discussed that earlier in the show. Um, our number two was Nathan Gary at safety. And, you know, the voting variety on that was everybody had him two or three. Uh, our third guy um, – was offensive lineman Nick Gates. Wait, there was a tie for third. Tie for third uh, with Nick Gates and Jordan Westerkamp. Um, you know, a lot of people had Nick Gates either third, fourth, or fifth. Brian Munson had him at seven. Um, yeah, then you mentioned Jordan Westerkamp. And, you know, I think he would have been easily the third, if not the two guy, if not for one voter, Mike <laughs> uh, Mike Mattia. Um, all of us had Westerkamp two or three. Greg had him four. 
Uh, Mike Mattia had Westerkamp 13th. His logic being if he got hurt, Nebraska still would be okay. Yeah, the receiver depth is kind of the issue there. And you can't argue that. And then, you know, fifth, this is kind of a value one, Josh Banderas. Um, most people had him anywhere from five to seven. Um, Greg had him nine. I actually had him 12th. I just looked at it from a value standpoint as if he went down – we know Chris Weber can play Mike, and we know Nebraska has a lot of depth there. So I think he's valuable, but I looked at the depth of the linebacker position as well um, with all the other bodies they have there. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I, I had him relatively high. I think I had him at seventh, uh, and I think a lot of that is just because the, the stock the staff is putting into him. I mean, I, we talked about it earlier in the show, but the, the Big Ten Media Day's invitation really says a lot to me uh, about, the, again, the role that they expect him to have and um, the fact that he is the senior, you know, a guy that was playing pretty well before that groin injury kind of hampered his season to just nine games last year. Uh, I think that he's got just a super high potential for this season, given his experience and the leadership role being placed upon him. And if he can put it all together, I think he could have a really big year. For me, the big takeaway of the top five is is Nick Gates. I mean, when's the last time you had a sophomore offensive lineman that you could say is maybe the third most valuable player on your entire team? Uh, I mean, he's an all-conference type of player, and now he's going to be anchoring down that left side, which is going to be uh, extremely important for Nebraska in this offense. So, um, you know, for him to be a third as a sophomore is pretty impressive. And a lot of being all-conference as an offensive lineman is name recognition and notoriety uh, because there are a lot of good offensive linemen that don't get the respect because their name is not known in August. Right. That's why Nick Gates will have a legitimate chance to be that first-team all-conference, all-American guy someday for Nebraska because he's going to be a four-year starter, and he has the name recognition. And, and it's just been a long time since the Huskers have had that kind of player with name recognition. Yeah, and what's crazy is, you know, highlighted with Nick Gates, you look across that line, I mean, there's a whole crew of young guys that I think have that same type of potential. We talk about Gerald Foster, Tanner Farmer, uh, and the, those types. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about with that offensive line. And certainly Nick Gates, uh, you know, kind of being the ringleader of that group. While there is a lot of turnover and a lot of experience now, I think that could pay big dividends down the road. All right, let's get through the top 10 here at least. Uh, as we have all 40 on Husker Online, you can log on, and, and, and we have a nice video recap put together as well as our rankings. But at number six was tight end Seathan Carter. Number seven, defensive tackle Kevin Maurice. Um, this one's kind of a surprise one. At number eight, all the way up at number eight, running back Divine Ozigbo. And we'll talk more about that here as we wrap. And then number nine, Freedom Akamaladun. And then number 10, uh, cornerback Josh Kalu, Joshua Kalu, excuse me. I better get that right. Otherwise, Joshua will have me there yeah, for that one. That. But let, let's go. I want to go right back to that. Number eight, Divine Ozigbo. Nate, does that surprise you? No, not after we what we saw in the bowl game and, and even towards the end of last season. Um, he appears to be that type of the type of workhorse running back that I think this this offense needs this season and and really that Nebraska hasn't had with with Terrell Newby um, for the past couple of years. So and, and he's a, a versatile player, a guy who can do everything. He's not just a uh, kind of a one trick pony. He can run inside, outside. He can catch the ball very well and, and run with, uh, with run with power. So um, I, I think there's no surprise that he's in that top ten because he's going to be the that man at 
the running back position. Now, four of us had Divine 11 to 14. Um, Greg 11, Nate 12. Both Robin and I had him at 14. This is the, what kind of pushed him in the top 10, though. Both Mike Mattia and Brian Munson. Mike had him fifth, Brian fourth. So that got him to eight. I mean, realistically, on four of our ballots, he's more of like an 11th or 12th guy on this list. But, you know, that's what happens. You got six opinions, six ballots. You're going to get some number changes. I know for sure, talking with Brian a while back, he's about as high as anyone on Divine Azigbo. And that goes back to having covered him back when he was in Texas, you know, as a high school recruit, kind of one of the unsung guys of that recruiting class. And so Brian knows him about as well as anybody. And if he has him ranked fourth all the way on his list, I think that if anyone's going to put him that high, it's going to, you know, the fact that Brian did it means a little bit more. All right. Well, it's our Husker Online Top 40. Make sure you get on um, and, and check out the entire series. Uh, there's eight different ranking stories. Uh, one through 40, we do five each day, uh, video recaps. That was our top 10. You can see the rest of the top 40 on HuskerOnline.com. When we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting talk. Nebraska got some big news this week as five-star wide receiver Joseph Lewis will be visiting Lincoln here. Uh, we'll get Nate Klaus's take on that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we do every week. It's probably one of our most popular segments on the show. We will break down Husker recruiting and get Nate's take on everything that's happened in the world of Husker recruiting this week. And, you know, Nate, I think this is um, a huge development um, that you reported this week. Joseph Lewis, the five-star receiver um, out of California who is here for Nebraska's um, Friday Night Lights Camp will be making a return visit to Lincoln this week. Um, this is about as big time as it gets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you have a five-star player on campus, it's big. But the fact that you're going to be hosting the number three wide receiver in the country, the number 19 overall player in the nation, twice in the span of about 30 days or so, uh, is is huge news. And, um, you know, Joseph Lewis had the opportunity to come to Lincoln, work out at the Friday Night Lights camp with, uh, with Keith Williams, and then he stayed for Big Red Weekend. He was able to kind of see all the bells and whistles and everything that Nebraska had to offer in terms of the facilities and, and everything that the student-athletes have here at Nebraska. But um, this, this coming visit, I think, is more about – how comfortable he can feel in Lincoln, you know, it, coming from inner city, Los Angeles, moving to Lincoln, Nebraska is, is somewhat of an adjustment. And, and can he feel comfortable in Lincoln? Um, we know that he has a great relationship with Keith Williams, the wide receivers coach, and uh, he's bringing a couple of his coaches out with him uh, that have yet to, to be ever visit Nebraska. They have a relationship with Keith Williams as well, but this is, um, this is the visit. I think that you're, you're kind of taking that next step to potentially one day committing to Nebraska. So um, yeah, this is a big one. What's that old saying? Uh, and, and to quote the uh, the old uh, theologist there, Phil Amation, if you make one trip, that's good. You make two trips – how did it go, Nate? It's yeah. I mean, you make one trip, that's good. Two trips is is, uh, is better. Uh, anything more than that, you you're pretty much locking somebody up. Is is the general feeling? And and you better that third screw trip, it up. Yeah, you better. You're gonna have to screw it up, not for it to not happen. And that third trip that Joseph Lewis is gonna be making, as far as official visit here once again in about another month's time for the Oregon game. Now that is scheduled or subject to change. I think that he. 
we could see him move that up to the Fresno State to make it a little easier in, in terms of travel or push it back to perhaps uh, the Minnesota game. But uh, uh, to, to have the, a five-star on campus, again, is huge. But to have a five-star on campus three times in three months, that is uh, that speaks to the way Nebraska is recruiting right now and really to, to Keith Williams' recruiting prowess. Yeah, and that is uh, – I mean, it's funny to quote Phil Omation from somebody he told you 10-plus 10, 10 years ago, but that is legitimate. I mean, if you go back in history, Nate, and look, guys that have made – third trips to Lincoln in the unofficial or official parts. I mean, you're talking maybe Nebraska gets that guy 90% or more of the time, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, the percentage jumps through the roof if you get if you get a, a second or third visit. Anytime a kid gets on campus in Nebraska, you're going to have a shot to be in it with that player until the very end. And then the exp- it goes up exponentially that second visit and that third visit is where you where you can kind of seal the deal. And, and Joseph Lewis is approaching the recruiting process in the right way. Obviously has a lot of options on the table being a five-star prospect. He's coming off of visits to Alabama and Tennessee this week. Um, so those trips will be fresh in his mind he's never visited those places but to have another opportunity to to be in Lincoln and to kind of really soak up the the environment in the summer months when it's not football and there aren't a thousand you know a hundred thousand screaming fans you know wherever you go I think is going to be important and that very well could kind of you know, lay lay that red carpet out to, you know, one day him making a commitment. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we wrap the show up today, talking Husker recruiting in um, Nebraska, you know, not in a, a dry period of recruiting, but just at 11 commits, um, you know, you'd like to see them kind of push closer to 15. Uh, we know Ben Miles, um, the fullback Nate out of um, Louisiana, the son of Les Miles, very close to probably pulling the trigger for Nebraska, just you know, still kind of weighing his final options here. But uh, Husker sitting at 11 commits. Other than Ben Miles, I mean, do you see any other names right now that could add to this class before that Fresno State opener? Yeah, there's there's a couple guys out on the radar that I believe you know could be close to committing to Nebraska. I'd throw Cade Otten out there, the tight end out of Washington, six four, two hundred and forty pound kid. Um, you know, visited Nebraska in June. Uh, very good looking athlete. Has the Huskers at the top of his list. I almost get the feeling that he's kind of waiting to hear from a school or two whether or not they're going to offer. But um, I feel like he's kind of wanting to do something sooner than later. And Kurt Raffdahl is another tight end out of Indiana that visited in June. Um, he could be getting close to, to doing something. He's he's kind of gone way off the radar, radio silent, Has hasn't had a whole lot to say about anything about his recruitment. And sometimes when that happens, it's because a kid is in decision-making mode and, and uh, he very well could be one of those players. So, um, you know, I, I, you always could have a surprise or two as well. So uh, sitting at 11 commits right now, I think Nebraska, it would not come as a surprise if they were sitting closer to 13 or 14 by the start of the season as guys, you know, a handful of guys always seem to make a decision right before their senior year starts so they have recruiting off their plate. And a lot of – I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do too, Nate. A lot of people are like, well, the ranking's down to 29. I mean, a lot of that is total commits. The rivals formula – is not you know just a pound for pound quality of commit. That's where Nebraska is good at right now. They have a really good quality commit in this class. A lot of the teams rank higher than them. Almost all of them have 
closer to 15 or even 20 commits in the rankings. Yeah, there's no reason to panic. I know people have said, boy, we were sitting at 15 and now Nebraska slid all the way down to, to 28, 29. And, you know, what's happening? And you know, it's no reason to panic. It's because schools ahead of Nebraska right now have more commitments. It's, it's pretty much that simple. I think at this point in the recruiting process, it's you it's kind of a better gauge of how good your recruiting class is if you look at the star the average star ranking and if you do that nebraska is still sitting right in that 15 range so uh they have a a high quality of commit they just don't have as many as as the teams ahead of them and uh, and really when you break down the numbers if they add one or two commitments from you know a mid-level three star or one three star and one four star they're going to leapfrog about 15 schools and be right in the, that top 20 once again. So it's just so early. There's no reason to panic about the team ranking. And as we wrap it up, Nate, um, I know some other visitor things kind of shook out this week. Uh, give Husker fans an update on a few other names that could be visiting campus here in July or early August. Yeah, a couple of other big names to, to keep an eye on heading into the summer, uh, into August is four-star cornerback Ambry Thomas out of, out of Detroit. He's planning on taking it unofficial to Nebraska here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, has the Huskers in his top five. Loves Brian Stewart. Uh, and that would be a very big development. One of his best friends, Jalen Kel- Kelly Powell, who was at the, the Friday Night Lights camp, came back home to Detroit raving about Lincoln, raving about Nebraska. So uh, that was kind of... Um, the impetus for this this trip and, and I think uh, the other big name to, to really kind of emerge is an official visitor Addison Gums the number four overall outside linebacker in the country from Northern California is going to be visiting for the Fresno State game and um, and that, that's good news for Nebraska not only is he a big time player but it kind of helps them leverage their position with Raheem Johnson do they have one linebacker spot left in this class and and now they've got two big time talents kind of interested in it so I, I think that's that's something to really keep an eye on here over the next month or two and that Fresno game looking like it will be just as big of a weekend if not even bigger Nate than the Oregon weekend yeah, I think it could end up being bigger just because when you look at the travel arrangements you know a lot of those guys especially from the west coast who want to come to the Oregon game um, they have games on Friday nights. And in order to make it into Lincoln for that 2.30 kickoff, they're going to have to take a red-eye flight, which means they're going to be basically going straight from their game uh, to the airport and traveling. You know, I think it's about a seven- or eight-hour round-trip uh, flight time um, you know, from from takeoff to, to landing in Lincoln or Omaha with the layover and everything. And and that's not necessarily the best way to start off your official visit, your your 48-hour official visit. So if they can have more of a relaxed travel schedule, come in for that night game for the Fresno State weekend. It's a holiday weekend. Um, you know, I think that's something that, that uh, the staff has talked with a lot of those kids about. And we're seeing, you know, more and more of those players changing their dates. What's interesting is, the players that are changing their date from uh, the Oregon to the Fresno State game, they're still saying they're coming back for an unofficial visit for the Oregon game. So that, I mean. Well, even like a Minnesota or Maryland game later in the year, because Minnesota, I believe, is a night game, right, for mm-hmm. Nebraska. I mean, I could see that being kind of, I mean, it sets up nice that they have that on the schedule as well as a later night game because you could get a Juco guy in or other guys later in that November game. Yeah, that could be kind of like what we saw with the Michigan State game last year. It was kind of that night game later on in the season. You're able to get a lot of guys in for that game. So, um, you know, there's going to be – 
at least two, probably three blowout recruiting visit weekends this season. So it's, it's going to be fun to see. Fresno, Oregon, Minnesota would be the three right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to see all the talent that are going to be on campus for those games. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com, uh, not only for Nate's recruiting coverage here, but full coverage starting this weekend from the Big Ten Media Days in Chicago. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.